You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from, and you can even tell your phone or smart device to play podcast Locked On Pelicans, and you'll get the latest episode. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday, a game day for the Pelicans as they travel to take on the Milwaukee Bucks. Shorthanded with Julius Randle, who was ruled out, will not play in this one, according to Alvin Gentry. Don't really need to do a ton of preview for this one. Just enjoy watching Giannis play. Enjoy watching AD play. And look, I know I was sick the past week, and I missed Monday's podcast this week as well. And I told you I'd make it all up to you. Well, I've got a long one today with a great interview with Andrew Lopez of NOLA.com, the Times Picayune. We're just going to jump right into that. Got an interview that goes all over the place. It's going to make you happy. It's probably going to make you sad at one point. And it's going to maybe make you wish there were new jerseys for the Pelicans. So we cover a whole bunch of different things. He also lets us know kind of what's on his shopping list for the Pelicans. What should they be looking for on the trade market? So trying to make it up to you guys. Andrew is a good friend, so I'm happy to have him on. So let's just jump right into it in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. Joining me now on Locked on Pelicans, I've got the Pelicans beat writer for NOLA.com, Times Picayune, Andrew Lopez. You can follow him on Twitter if you don't already. It's at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez. Thanks for coming on today, man. Hey, no problem, man. Yeah, I know. I've been meaning to get you on for a while, and I've just been not doing it. But now it's middle of the season. Things are kind <laughs> of rolling both good and bad for the Pelicans, and it's time to take some like deep dives into this. So... The Pelicans down injured, you know, a uh, game below 500 here. And all of a sudden the injuries get even worse. In addition to Miritich and um, Alfred Payton, Julius Randle is going to be out for this game against the Milwaukee Bucks. Gentry's kind of put in a tough spot with this one, huh? Yeah, I mean, it really is not the ideal situation for him going into a, a really tough road trip where you're playing, you know, at Milwaukee, at the Lakers, and then at Sacramento. Uh, on Sunday, this is this is not ideal. <laughs> if if you're you're Alvin Gentry, you're left with a lineup basically where the only bigs you have right now are Anthony Davis, uh, Chuck Diallo, and Jaleel Okafor. So uh, we talked with with Alvin uh, earlier on on Tuesday, and he he basically said, you know, expect to see Jaleel Okafor. Uh, ja needs to get in there, and uh, he hasn't really played meaningful minutes since he had that start back on uh, November 1st against Portland. Uh, ever since then, it's just been garbage time minutes. So it, it'll be interesting to see what, where, where he's at right now. Uh, Sheck can get in there and he can do a lot of different things, but you're going to see a lot of small ball uh, from the Pels. If you're, if you don't have Randall or Meritich, I think you probably are without Meritich maybe for just the Bucks game possibly without Randall for a few games. 
but it's going to be interesting to see where exactly they go right away with this. Yeah, it definitely seems like Okafor is going to get some playing time, which I think a lot of Pelicans fans really want to see and, and see what he maybe brings to the table. I know they've kind of been clamoring for him and like anyone else to, to do something here. Yeah, I, you, I want to, you want to see what just anybody can do right now. I, I mean, I think that's uh, a, a, a big thing about uh, Pel fans and, and, and Frank Jackson is they want to see what Frank can do. Uh, why not? I mean, we, we've seen in, 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 a, in a sense, this is probably what Pels fans are thinking. We've, we've seen what Ian Clark can do. Why don't we just see what the, what the kid can do, basically? Oh, look, they, they have the, the hopes of like, as they should, because he's the one young guy on the roster, but there's like nine first-round picks worth of hopes on Frank Jackson, which yeah. is a lot, <laughs> and that goes to the Pelicans in the team building. Now, you mentioned the small lineup. They've run some of those somewhat recently to, to pretty good success, though. You saw it a little bit against the Oklahoma City Thunder. You saw it, you know, obviously to end the game against the Miami Heat once Randall was out, but that's having some pretty good success. I know AD doesn't like to be called a five, but as a, you know, a five in a small lineup it does wonders for this team at times yeah uh, and he's he's definitely going to have to be a five now i don't think we can get away with uh you know uh, announce nico as the as the center of the night announce julius randall as the center uh there's no escaping it right now uh ad's the center. i don't think we can get away with calling each one more the center in this uh <laughs> this, this lineup no not at up. all <laughs> but, uh right now i mean you go back and look at what that that small lineup did to finish the game the other night. It was AD, uh, basically Darius Miller at the four. And then you had Etwan Moore, Drew Holiday, and Andrew Harrison. You needed a bigger lineup to kind of combat some of Miami's dribble handoffs and, and switches that they try to force on you, uh, which is why Andrew Harrison was, was, was playing at the end of that game, maybe instead of Tim Frazier. But, you know, that lineup had a, uh, I think, a defense, I mean, offensive rating of 135.2 a defensive rating of 102.8. They played for a little bit more than six and a half minutes, I think from about the 649 mark all the way down to when Drew fouled out with seven seconds to go, um, uh, an actual or a real plus minus really of, a, of plus five. So it, it worked. You were able to get your offense going, six of 13. Uh, I think you had four three-pointers in that stretch. You had five assists in that stretch. You had no turnovers in that stretch. So – uh, you, you can try some different things. They, they've had some different lineups this year. If you go by basketball reference, Darius Miller's really played 10% of his minutes at the four this year. I think it's 7% for Solomon Hill, 6% for Wesley Johnson. My best guess at, at a starting lineup uh, against the Bucks would probably be to put Solo in the starting five, Etwan back at the three. Now that really hurts your bench. You're really depending a lot on Darius Miller in, in that scenario and Frank Jackson, uh, but I don't I don't really think you have any any other real options there. Uh, maybe you start Jaleel, um, play AD at the four to kind of make sure Etwan can still stay with that bench unit. Uh, the depth has not really uh, helped in, in in that sense of, of where maybe you can go after this. No, it's it's a shame because the depth was kind of touted as maybe one of like the, this is the deepest team Anthony Davis has played on, and I think as like the season's gone on, we've seen that's not the case. And having Alfred Payton out for all but five games certainly yeah. doesn't help that either. So 
it's going to be pretty tough in Milwaukee, and it's compounded by the fact that Alvin Gentry, ahead of the Oklahoma City Thunder game, talked about, and then he talked about it before the Miami Heat game, that he's trying to manage the minutes of Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday a little bit better. These are guys who have both been up at the top, if not the top, in the league in minutes per game. And now with all these injuries, is there a way to do that? Or is it just he's going to have to keep trotting them out for, for the high amount of minutes that he's been doing? No, he's there's nothing really you can do. I mean, there, there's nothing you can really do to, to 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 curb these minutes right now if you still want to win. I mean, yeah, sure, you can keep Anthony Davis out of the lineup, but then you're going to give his minutes to Diallo or, or Okafor, and I don't I don't think any any fan really wants to see that. Um, you know, he, they are still one two in the league in minutes. I mean, that's that's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, it, it's kind of funny the the night he talked about first curbing those minutes a little bit. Uh, I think Drew went out and played a 34 minute game, which okay, that's what you expected. But then AD played, you know, nearly 40 minutes against the Thunder and nearly 39 minutes against Miami. So no curbing it on his side. He, he's he's playing on as much as he can. Uh, Drew's minutes have kind of gone. And it, it's but that's that. Those are your guys. Those are those are your two best guys. Drew's played. You know, he played 34 against Oklahoma City, and then he played, you know, 40 minutes, 40 seconds against Miami. Uh, if, if you want to win, those guys have to be on the floor. You need other guys to step up. And when, when Nico is hurt, when Julius is hurt, they could – obviously, they're going to take the, the burden off of Anthony Davis, but they can also take the burden off of Drew Hadley in terms of scoring. Uh, you need other guys to step up, and, and that's why I think no matter what, Dell still has to make a move with this roster even what let's Elford getting back is going to help you know when when you had your your opening night starting lineup of Elford Drew Etwan AD and Nico that starting lineup is still great. 5 and 0 this season yeah. they're still 5 and 0 they're they're I think their net rating is somewhere in like 28 or 30 i mean that was an awesome lineup but you you're still going to need another scoring punch off the bench um you know he was uh, Gentry was adamant today uh, you know, Darius Miller is never going to go one for eight again. I'll bet on it. I'll bet on it. Um, you know, if he gets the look that he got the other night, he's going to knock those down. You can't rely on Darius Miller to be that guy. You still need somebody else to come through. And that's why I think they are going to have to try to make a move uh, to get some more scoring, whether that's Solo's contract and a first, uh, or you start looking at future first. But you're, you're going to have to make some moves to make that happen. Yeah, we'll touch on that in a minute because that's, I think, a larger discussion. But going back to that heat game with Darius Miller, you know, not hitting the shots. I mean, that's how you break a zone, and that's what Miami was running a lot of at the Pelicans that really got the ball out of AD's hands. And, you know, he didn't take a shot in the third quarter. I think his first shot attempt was like six minutes left in the fourth, and it was that end of shot clock It was a layup. Yeah. Like just a heave that doesn't really count. There was the and one layup first. And okay. the only other shot, I think, was the, was the three-pointer that he hit. Yeah, so they forced <clears> – <throat> as I lose my voice, of course. They, they forced the ball out of his hands. And look, Gentry yeah. said it after the game that 
he's not going to take bad shots. And he was making the right passes. He had seven assists in that game. He at, he had 14 assist chances when his average in, mm-hmm. in the season is 6.7. So he's making the right pass, clearly. And guys aren't hitting because I don't think those are guys you can really necessarily yeah. rely on to hit, like you said. I if, think I think, uh, I think Gentry said today he should have had 12 assists. But when they went back and looked at the film, you mentioned the assist chances. But they were, they were upset that Anthony didn't have a triple-double. But it, like you said, it comes down to making shots. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, there's reasons why the Heat were not guarding guys on the perimeter. But right. so, so what's your take? Because I think this, and we'll touch on this after after I plug one thing here too as well, where the Pelicans, you've seen him kind of get away from Anthony Davis late in the fourth quarter. I think in some of these close games, he's taking like four shot attempts in crutch time, and that's really it. And it feels like you need more, but they can't ask him to do everything. So when you have a game like the Heat where he's not really shooting, he's not really being aggressive, and he's looking more to pass, is that the right way to go about this? Or do they need to try and get something more from Anthony Davis in those times too? I think you you need to get more out of Anthony Davis because he, frankly, is Anthony Davis. Uh, but when teams are going to key on him, I, I do think there's a little bit of truth to what what Gentry was kind of trying to sell there, as in he's going to make the right pass. He's not going to take bad shots. Uh, he's always ultra-aggressive in the first quarter. He, he, he always seemingly will get you know six to eight shots in the first quarter. You want to see him be that aggressive. In, in, in later stages of the game because the, the defense doesn't change that much to them at, at, at that point. Uh, you know, they still know that Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis, whether it's the first quarter or the fourth quarter. Um, but I think, uh, and this kind of goes back to my other point, you still need another scoring playmaker on this team that can take a little bit of the burden off of AD or Drew in those moments. Sometimes that can be Julius, uh, but somebody else needs to kind of help him and, when 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 teams are sending two two guys or three guys at him and daring the Tim Frazier's, the Etwan Moore, the Darius Millers of the world, the Andrew Harrisons of the world to shoot, I mean they they just got to knock down shots. I mean you look at the other night, Darius Miller was uh, Darius Miller and, and Andrew Harrison combined were two of fourteen uh, from three point range. A lot of those were really really good looks, and in a six point game, you know that's that's all the difference. Yeah, no, and it was disappointing to see. But like you said, it's also, he's a big, you know, this isn't yeah. a guard who's going to drop. It's not Russell Westbrook coming in from the perimeter and being able to break down a defense or zone or what have you that way either. And it's a big, he, he's got to have someone get him the ball. And I mean, it's, I think it goes without saying how bad the Pelicans are at entry passes to him at times too, but probably doesn't do him right. any, <laughs> any, any favors um, at, at all. So, We'll touch on getting help and a couple of other topics with the Pelicans. But first, everyone knows it. Got to listen to the Locked On NBA podcast Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you need to know around the association. Of course, I'm on there every Wednesday hosting the podcast. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. So Andrew Lopez of NOLA.com, Times Picky, and my guest here on Locked On Pelicans. And we're touching on Anthony Davis. And before we move into maybe getting some help and other things on this team, one thing that I think's jumped out that I don't think gets talked about maybe enough when it comes to AD is the passing and those 14 assist chances he had against the Miami Heat. This is a guy who didn't really need to add anything to his game. And all of a sudden you're seeing these assist numbers. They're more than double his career high this season. Yeah. That's got, it makes him just even scarier, doesn't it? 
Yeah, because now now you realize, and I think AD's kind of talked about it earlier this year, he realized that there was a lot of times where people would just key in on him and he would make he would try to force up shots and he would make bad decisions, and, and he really tried to change that this year, and that's why you've seen his assist numbers grow the way they did. I think you know he's hovering, I think, around a little bit under five, maybe like 4.5, 4.7 uh, assists per game. His previous high was, was last year at 2.3, so – he knows that things have to be different. And, and the thing that you really like about it is while his assist numbers have doubled, more than doubled, his turnover numbers have roughly stayed the same. That's what I think is, is key right here for him. No, that's a really um, good point. He's making smart, good passes versus just making passes to make them, which can yeah. increase turnovers. Right, absolutely. I mean, he has he was averaging 2.2 uh, turnovers per game last year, 2.3 this year. You go to turnover percentage, I think it was 8.6 last year, 8.7 this year. So, and and he's making more, creating more assists, and typically that's going to help. But guys have to be able to make them. Um, you know, he he's hit those high numbers so far this year. He he's, I think he had six assists or more. I think 12 times already uh, <laughs> this year. Which is just kind of kind of insane it, to me. It, it is. Um, it was eight all seven or eight all of last year. So in thirty one games, he's well past his his season high from last season. Yeah, I think he's he's I think he's hit eight four times already. He's hit eight three times. He's hit nine once. Uh, all all you know, he hadn't hit eight before. I mean, he did that against uh, against Houston. And you go back to that Houston game, and that's where I think people really need to focus in. Ignore kind of where, where Houston's at right now, but. Those first sets of games this year, earlier in the season, when they were just dominant, a lot of it happened because AD was a willing passer, and that was something that was different. Um, you know, they, when they, they beat Houston and Sacramento and in, in L.A. and then Brooklyn, uh, that Sacramento game was one of the, the better offensive performances I've ever seen, period, uh, when they're out there with 149 points of franchise record. A lot of that starts because AD is, is willing, and now teams have to respect the fact that, okay, he gets it. It's not just going to be a shot, okay? He's going to look. He's going to try to make the right move. He's going to try to make the right pass, and that, I think, is something that has changed necessarily uh, from, from how he's played in years past. Yeah, and I mean, you can see it. He just recognizes when a double team's coming versus oh, yeah. years before. Like the vision and everything, and how he's gone about this, and just the mindset. And just for a guy who didn't need to improve anything and like is still kind of reaching his ceiling, it's been unbelievably impressive. So, keeping with the Anthony Davis theme, I promise I'm not trying to get you to talk bad uh, about Anthony <laughs> Davis here, but this is something that's on fans' minds, and you can kind of see it. Do you get the sense that he's not as checked in as he was last season or years past, or do you see more frustration out from him on the court? Because I think you can, or at least I can see it at times. And again, there's not trying to say anything bad about Anthony Davis. It's just something seems a little bit off, I think. And I think a lot of people are feeling that. Is that too much of the fan in me and them? Or is there some truth to it, do you think? To, to me, I think it is um, it, it, it's frustration. It, it, it's definitely frustration for him because when you, when you go out there and you tout yourself as being the, the best player in the league and then you can't answer to to be that guy uh you know you you've missed free throws at the end of games that could have tied it or send a game to overtime uh 
that that's going to weigh on you. That's going to, that's going to change how, how you are. Um, and I, I can definitely see how he is more frustrated this year. Uh, whether that's, I don't think it's necessarily with the new Orleans or the situation. I think he just, he wants to win more. Uh, he knows where he's at at this stage in his career and he wants to be the, he wants to win. Um, that's, that's basically what it kind of comes down to. And, uh, that's where I think the, the frustration part comes in. I think people overanalyzed the other night. He, he walks off the court. I think what, you know, kind of somebody tweeted, he, he normally shakes everybody's hand. He didn't shake anybody's hand this time. Like, well, yeah, more, he's just mad. Too much, he's, yeah. he's, he's an angry guy. Like, like and it's emotional <laughs> and he cares. Yeah. Like uh, that's, you want to see frustration from him. And like, I think too much has been made oh, casually over, you know, them not wanting to talk to media after games. Like, I get it. I get why it sucks for the media, but I also get why they don't want to. They're humans and, you know, yeah. for what he wants in his career. And winning is the most important thing to him. I don't think there's any question about that from anyone who's ever talked to him. So not having it there just kind of leads to weird moments where he's trying to kind of, I don't know, it seems like process things maybe as a way to 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 phrase it as well. So, so with that, because, uh, you know, I look at him and I watched him on defense in that opening quarter against Miami Heat, and he missed a couple of, like, easy rotations. Mm-hmm. The defense has struggled for the most part all year long. You have a diagnosis on what's going on with him here? Um, effort? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really, that's really the, the best way to put it is, 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 is effort. I mean, this team um, does not give it – hundred percent in the first in the first quarter. I mean, that's just where they're at right now. Um, I, I believe this season they are uh, somewhere. I think twenty fourth right right now in defensive rating. If you look at where they were, I think it's if you break it down by quarter, it gets it gets really weird. Oh, the the in-game splits for this team are, are – I, I talked about it on the podcast. It's mind-blowing how they swing from one quarter to another, one half to another. First quarter defensive rating, they're 29th in the league. When you get to the second quarter, things start to look up a little bit. Now they're 24th. That's where they are normally. The third quarter and the fourth quarter is where things get really interesting, and that's where you start to kind of get mad as a fan. Third quarter, they're the 10th best team in the league when it comes to defensive rating. The fourth quarter, I think it's somewhere around there too. That's also their 10th. So this is a team who is 24th in the NBA in defensive rating, about toward the bottom of the league. But they're a top 10 defense in the second half. That's maddening. And there's no other explanation other than effort for that. You, you're not – I mean, you can you're, – if you're 24th and then 17th, maybe you're making – Really good defensive adjustments. That's a lot of good defensive adjustments. Yeah, jumping jump from twenty four to ten in a game like that with the ratings being that swingy, like that. It's like you said, it's effort. You can see it in the first uh, first quarter, first half of games. How many guys just have a lane to drive to the basket because someone didn't rotate over, or they forgot who to cover after a switch, or an open three point shooter's there because just no one decided to cover the guy at the top of the three point line who then got the kickout pass. It's it's frustrating, they're, I guess. Is, yeah, they're 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 first. I, I broke it down by first half and second half. Now, their their second half rating is a one hundred six four. That's the eighth best in the NBA. So they are the eighth best defensive team after halftime in the NBA. Before halftime, 
115.7, dead last in the NBA. Yeah. That comes down to effort. When it's a, a 7 point, 6 point, 8 point swing like that, it's, 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 that's just, I mean, they just don't come out ready to play. Um, they don't come out with, with that, with that, that oomph that you want to see from them. And, and that's where I think is, uh, is, is the biggest issue for me. I think that some of that has changed a little bit with Julius Randle being in the starting lineup. Um, I know for a fact, I think three weeks ago I looked this up, and I think they were 28th in the first quarter. Now they're kind of jumped up to 24th. Uh, so they, they have a, a little bit of help there with, with Randle, but I, I really don't know what else you can do um, to kind of really jumpstart that ra- rather than just kind of get them to start playing hard in the first quarter. No, and I mean, look, Alfred Payton's a pretty good defender and has at least all the tools to be a very good defender, too. So, like, getting him back to the lineup's going to help, too. But as you said, if you jump from dead last to top 10 by half, either Alvin Gentry's the most amazing in-game coach and coming up with adjustments on the fly, or these guys just aren't doing it for whatever reason it is in, in the first half, which is... You know, their defense is so important to this offense, to getting out in transition. You can't really run unless you're grabbing defensive rebounds, although the Pelicans have tried to do it even after made, hmm. opponent made shots. Um, if, if one team was ever going to do it, it's this team. It's so important, and, like, their offense almost starts from that at times, particularly when, you know, teams are able to play a zone against you. Don't let them get set in that zone because otherwise, even yeah. Miami Heat figured out a blueprint on how to shut this team down. And they're not going to win games the rest of the year, or they, or they just need to do their thing and like not make a zone defense that big of a deal. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's, I think more teams were going to try it. Uh, I don't think a lot of teams necessarily like playing zone. It feels kind of like a cop out at the NBA level for, for the most there's part. There's a reason you don't see it a whole lot because it yeah. doesn't really work that effectively for the most yeah, part. Yeah, because. It, it shouldn't work at the NBA level yeah, because you exactly. have shooters all all around the floor. Um, and basically Miami kind of took a page from, from the Pelicans' own defensive playbook. I mean, the Pelicans give up a lot of wide-open three-pointers time and time and time and time again. That's that's something we've seen for a long, long time. But to, to me, I think where you need to, to kind of change things is um, – you, you have to just make those shots, it, it, period. That's what it comes down to. At, at, at the end of the day, if people are going to play you in the zone, make you pay for it, and then get yourself out of the zone. And the one thing they didn't do against Miami was make them pay for the zone. No, not not at all. And so that'll tie in to the, the next topic here. But before we get to that here on Locked On Pelicans, don't forget the Locked On Podcast Network is doing some awesome things on social media. Look, when you're sitting in for a night of basketball, when there's a ton of games going on, it's tough to kind of follow along the Twitter timeline and figure out what to pay attention to, what's important. We got one Twitter feed for you. It's at Locked On NBA Net. It's got a curated feed of all the local hosts and their podcasts telling you what you need to know. It's It's great for breaking news or whenever there's a big story out there in the NBA. So make sure you follow at Locked on NBA Net. So back with Andrew Lopez of NOLA.com times Picayune. Give him a follow on Twitter alongside our social media. It's at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez. 
So we've been talking about a lot of the things that have gone wrong for the Pelicans, and I guess at 15 and 16, there's no, there's no getting around that's that. That's what you're supposed to talk about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone on Twitter the other day was like, why are you negative about this team? I'm like, well, they just lost to the Heat. Like, am I supposed to cheerlead yeah. for them? Like, it's just kind of how it goes, right? My my favorite are where are the ones who blame uh, the media when AD wants to leave. Like it's like it's the local media's fault that we don't uh, that we're not you know that he doesn't want to say. That's that's the funniest thing to me is when when AD was trying to to leave or whatever it was, or, or, or when when he wouldn't talk to the media. I apologize. Yeah. He wouldn't talk to the media, and people were like, oh, you know, he just doesn't want to answer questions from you. I was like. But this is not a hard media core to go to. No, like, this is, it's this not. Isn't, like, just answer stupid questions for two minutes. This isn't Boston. This isn't New York. This isn't L.A. Like, just just answer the question for, like, two seconds, dude. Like, we're not going to sit here and try to be a hard-hitting thing. We just want to go home and write our stories, too, because we know we're going to talk to you in three days anyway when before you go on a, on a road trip. So it, it's really funny to me when, he, when they, they, you know, he, he just doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to talk. Because you don't want to answer your question, like guys, like we're not we're not bad people. Like trust no, <laughs> and none of these are like hard hitting questions. Like no, I don't. And of all the time I've been there, I don't think I've ever seen someone ask something that like really upset anybody. And you see that in other markets though, when there's like throngs of reporters around them, and here it's like four or five guys at the most. Yeah, like, yeah, and everyone's really well, nice. It's, we it's all have a good time talking five, to each four other. Four or five guys, maybe it's you know depending on 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 if. if you know, what, what sites are there, uh, you know, it could be seven, eight guys. Then there's the team media, but no, nobody's in there. Like, AD, you really sucked tonight. What happened? I mean, no, as, and- as they would get in some other market. That's why it's really funny to me when people talk about him. I, 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 that's the one drawback I see of him going to a large market. Um, I just don't, I don't see him dealing with, with big media that well, um, whether that's Boston or LA. I mean, Obviously, things could could change. Obviously, things would change. I think with winning, but that's the one thing I'm like, ah, I just don't know. I just, <laughs> ah, I'm a little, eh, okay. No, it's it's easy here. Like everyone's nice. No, no one's biting. And like no one wants to force him out or is going to do anything that's going to try and upset him. That's not what anyone right. wants here whatsoever. But like you said, it's winning that's going to kind of keep him here. I like this. Meaning we're not bad people. I promise. Yeah. We, we don't want to talk poorly about the Pelicans because, look, I think we all can look at our internal metrics or wherever we cover the team from. They're way better when this team's good. Yeah, I think <laughs> everybody, everybody from a from a media standpoint, I mean, most of us are fans of, of basketball in general. I mean, that's that's why you're writing in the NBA or for an NBA site or, uh, you know, you're writing and covering the NBA for as a living. You like basketball. You like watching the NBA period. And you like when, when <laughs> you're watching better basketball, so good players, winning, winning good helps, basketball. Yeah. Winning helps everybody. Not just, uh, it's, it's not just something that like, Oh, okay. It, it's, it's something that's going to push clicks. I mean, people just like good basketball period. And, no, exactly. uh, everybody wants to see better basketball. It's funny because I get told on occasion by people where they're like, oh, yeah, when you say negative things, it just drives up traffic. And it's like it's the exact opposite. Like no one wants to read or listen to how bad this team is and have people kill them. That's not the fun. only the only time that is that is the opposite is when it's the Saints, because, man, do people love to to cry about the Saints on, on our website. That's 
I think oh, well, the numbers when they were when they were seven and nine those three years. As, as soon as we get a loss, there's such a spike in traffic for a loss. It is. It, it is it is quite hilarious. I'm not. It's the numbers do just about the same when people are are crying after losses. It's, oh no. Okay. It's Maybe great. I need to just be way more negative on here. And oh, we'll doesn't some, doesn't no, work for the Pels. Does not work for the Pels at all. No, people just only, tune them out. Then. Only for the Saints. Well, that makes a little bit. Like it makes sense. The Saints are so established. There's a, there's a difference in like cultures around them. Okay, so before we just spill all the inside secrets on things <laughs> of the local media here, so look, the Pels need to get back to winning. The best way to do that is going to be yeah. through some sort of move. And we, you, I think from talking to you, so you, do you think the most important thing is either another shooter or a bench scorer for the team? Because that's kind of what I'm getting. Yeah, because I think once you get this is this is this would be my wish list. Uh, I, I I am an Andrew Harrison fan. Um, I, I am I am for keeping him when the when the forty five day contract. Well, essentially it's a forty five day contract. I don't want to call it, it a two. A, no, it's not. A, like they're that's, signing that's, him to play forty five days of NBA time, and then they're going to either waive him or sign him to the team. It's right. not like a true it, two way, right? Yeah, it, it pretty much. I, I don't see them ever t- treating it as that for him. Um, it's basically just a way to use a 10-day contract in November and December. Uh, it basically uh, is how they're treating now, as opposed to how they're treating Trevon Blewett, who is just going to stay in the G League until he doesn't have to be there. Yeah, no, that's but exactly right. You can't sign 10 days now, so you're using it like that. So That's exactly how I'm using it. I, I'm an Andrew Harrison fan. I, I, I think I, I like him taking somebody's roster spot um, in, in January. I don't uh, – I don't, no, maybe who that is. Maybe if it's Ian Clark, uh, possibly Wesley Johnson, you get him out of there if you don't like what you're getting out of him. There's, there's options, I think, to get, uh, get a roster spot for him. Uh, so I don't think ball handler is, is high on my list right now. I want to get another score or some wings to help that out. Uh, I think the ringer put it out there. That was the, the one earlier about solo and a first and maybe a second next year to Cleveland for J.R. Smith and Rodney Hood. Uh, that might be my favorite uh, iteration of that deal that I've seen so far uh, in, in terms of getting J.R. here. I like J.R. because I like J.R.'s contract of, I think, 15 and a half, 15 and a half million or wherever he's at, but only three is guaranteed. You could buy him out for $3 million in, yeah. in June or July of next year. Clear $12 million worth of cap space that you didn't have before. Um, Rodney Hood has been serviceable this year. Uh, 13 points a game, I think, for Cleveland, shooting 44 from the field, 38 from deep. Um, that's where – that's maybe the best uh, deal I've seen that I think you lose one rotation player in Solomon, you probably add two. I know JR's numbers have been were awful this year, but I think there's a difference between motivated JR and unmotivated JR um, where he could probably become an asset for this team. And if not, again, you save $12 million in cap space by waving him in June. I think Which that's is a, important that's for plus. this team next Absolutely. year with Randall and Miritich both basically. Like, I think we both agree Randall's going to be is not taking that player option. So you've got two guys that yeah. you'd like to keep and re-sign, and you're going to be running right. You don't have Randall's uh, there is, bird rights. There is, not, there is not a scenario where, I, where AD – uh, aside from this team getting catching on fire, going to the Western Conference Finals, and Gale saying everybody stays no matter what it costs, I don't think there's a scenario in which Anthony Davis, Nikola Miritich, 
and Julius Randle are all on this team next year. Uh, that's for, for the most part. I, no, I agree with you. And that's that's why if if you're trying to make a bigger splash, okay, whether it's solo Randall and whatever else you have to attach to go get a Bradley Beal, or you try to make a splash that way, I'm okay with putting Randall on the hook for that because you're not going to be able to pay him sixteen, eighteen million dollars, which he could fetch next year. There's a lot of teams that that are going to have cap space next year, and he's looking good. I, I, a lot of teams yes. are going to have a lot of cap space. Um, I think half the NBA is going to be a free agent next year. It's something so, like that. Look, the Pelicans can clear up to something like $35 million in cap space if they really there is needed a way, it. Like, there is a way where the Pelicans can clear up max space. Yeah. Um, but part, part of that means you have to get rid of Solo's deal. And to yes. do that, you probably have to attach a first-round pick to it. So, again, that's why I, I like the idea of doing the deal where – you dump solo and a first on the Cleveland and because Cleveland has, has made it clear they're willing to take bad contracts right now. Um, and you get JR and you can get, you see what you have in him. I'll, I'm, I'm a Rodney Hood fan uh, as far as he, what he, what he brings when he can be a, a stabling force. He started for them every game this year. Uh, so I, I think he can help on the wing. So uh, that's my best deal. But I think, I'm not necessarily saying you need to have a star. It wouldn't hurt to have a star, but you need to get some bench scoring and help on the wing. That's where I think the my biggest uh, want for this team would be. I mean, no, and that's fair. It's either basically like wing help or ball handler, and those are the two biggest things that are kind of both blaring. And it just it, how much confidence yeah. – you have in Alfred Payton coming back and what he can do for the team. There's no need to kind of use your best assets to get another ball handler when it's kind of a redundant yeah. position in about a month now. Right. And it really, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's December 18th right now. We're December 18th. I think that in three weeks when Alfred's back, ball handling is going to, is going to take a step back. Uh, I don't know if Andrew Harrison takes Tim Frazier's minutes off the bench or how that how that works when that happens. It depends on the on the time, but uh, I think Tim is okay as as a guy who you're only playing ten minutes a night. Uh, you know, maybe Andrew Harrison does eat into those minutes a little bit, but ball handling to me is would still be the second there. Well, well, the third thing on my list first would be a ball would, would be a scorer off the bench. If that happens to be a wing, great. Um, obviously, you're looking at a one, two, or three situation there. You don't you don't need another big who can score. You you got that covered. You got that covered. Uh, so uh, that would that would kind of be the the way I would rank these lists. And if, you know, and if I got to attach a, a first round pick to whatever I got to attach, that's that's kind of the way I'm going right now. No, it makes sense. They got to do like they have to do something. I think is kind of the biggest thing. Yeah. this is probably the most important year in team history ever. Maybe. Yeah. No, Maybe, like, I, 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 I fully agree with that. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I mean, that's a situation where that's this is this is a franchise changing year if things go completely wrong. If if he decides, if AD decides, I want out, then you're looking at. I mean, this could be it. I mean, what happens when he leaves? What you get back for him in the summer? could change a lot of things and it really could be the difference. And I know, I know fans don't want to hear this, but it really could be the difference between the new Orleans Pelicans or the Seattle supersonics. 
Um, if you, if Gail doesn't want to put money into a team that is sinking, uh, say, cause say, when, when you trade AD, you're going to sink for a few years at minimum. Um, I don't know if you're going to get a situation where somebody's going to give you multiple first round picks and then that team's going to turn around and be awful the way the, no, it's, the you've got to like bank on your own pick being good right. and not the picks that you're getting in being right. good. I mean, when the Brooklyn thing failed horribly, that's how Boston was able to just continue to having good picks for so many years. Nobody's going to put that offer on the table for you. Nobody who is bad is going to try to trade for Anthony Davis. Uh, so for me, if, if this team continues to be a sub-25 win team for the next two or three years, look at the value. I mean, you've you got to start thinking about this. The value of this team. All NBA franchises at minimum are worth a billion dollars right now. Yeah, you're I looking think that's at fair. you're looking at they when when the Bensons paid for the Pels, they paid three hundred and thirty million dollars. You could make a billion dollars off of that because if you if you have a war where somebody is trying to buy this team and move them, you know, that the price goes up even more because you could have a team from Seattle wanting to buy, you could have a team from LA wanting to buy, or or, or Nashville or St. Louis, wherever wherever you're looking. And 1.5, 1.6 billion could be on the table. So, if you're just continuously losing money with a bad team and nobody's going to the games, I don't know. That doesn't look like many people are going to the games right now. Anyway, they're 19th, 20th in attendance for going on four or five years in a row now. So that's that's how important I think this season is. Going back to your point, that's it's it's more than just keeping Anthony Davis, one of the best players in the NBA. It could ultimately, and I know fans don't really want to hear it. You're just killing people to, here, man. <laughs> hey, man. It's, it no, could you got to tell the truth, though. Like, yeah, that's what it, it is. It, it, this is part of it. The only thing I'd counter with that is, you know, with no errors in place that we maybe know about or have been publicly mentioned, and probably a lot of cash in the bank, I'm assuming, you know, does Gail Benson right. need more cash on hand by selling right. this team Absolutely for $1.3 right. If you've got, say – uh, 200 million in cash on in the bank, which it probably is conceivable. Right. Like, you know, what she need 1 billion in cash for, but also why not have a billion in cash on hand? Right. Like, yeah. The thing you is, know? It, it, to me, it's, it, and it's all about, it's not about team success. It's about how the team is doing financially. If the team yeah. is continuously losing money in the next four to five years, if Anthony Davis leaves and it's not a good product, then maybe I could see them cutting bait a little bit and trying to, to get out of that situation. That's where I see that at all. I don't, I don't, if the team is doing good, I, I don't, I don't think she tries to deal it. They, they want to, they've built this big New Orleans brand where, you know, we're all about New Orleans now. Uh, things can stay where they're at. So, yeah, I, to, no, to, I get you, but that, it's a concern. That, and that, it's something I'm, to keep that's in mind. I'm going with that. Yeah. yeah. See, there you go. Everyone's going to love you again. You're not just saying negative <laughs> things for, for clicks and all that comes <laughs> with all that comes with it. All right. So let's end on a lighter note. We've got yeah. two new jerseys for the Pelicans that are out the that are basically the same thing, <laughs> different different colors. How how are you feeling first? Let's go with the, with the earned editions first. So the the red, blue, and gold on the white with the stripes like that. Okay, well let's. Well, we mentioned that they're they're both the same. Almost all of the NBA has gone to um, when they have their earned editions, their earned editions are basically some version of another alternate. Yeah, they're version, just recolored uh, like uh, other yeah. jerseys. Nike really turned it up on those. 
So <laughs> I really like the Pelicans earned edition uniforms, um, which we'll, we'll get into that in a second. I really like <laughs> the earned edition uniforms. Uh, I like the stripe going across. I like it with those colors for the Pels, the red, the blue, the gold. Uh, I think it looks nice. I would like to center the number under the NOLA. Uh, I'm a big fan of the NOLA on uniforms. Uh, I like that. I like that as your alternate. So is but, the centering uh, about it because of like an OCD thing or just like, no, it should be centered? Oh, absolutely. It's an OCD thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> numbers, numbers on, I, I, if a number is going to be off-centered on a uniform, I want it the other way, like a baseball uniform. Uh, okay. The numbers, the numbers mostly on the on the left hand side of the person, not the right hand side. I don't, I don't like it like that. Uh, I like the, I like kind of how it sits on the back. I think the, I would like to fit it on the back to where the number fits inside the the stripes. The name sits right above. I think that's a little bit different on there. But other than that, I like it. I think it works great. The Mardi Gras uniforms, on the other hand, <laughs> I was going You knew I was gonna do something like this to you. The morning uniforms, on the other hand, uh, I've I've taken to calling them as as with Will Guillory, uh, the Uptown Edition uh, uniforms because they look like a pearless Mardi Gras shirt, and that's why I don't like them. I just don't, I think I just think <laughs> they took a pearless shirt and put it on the court, and that's why even though the City Edition and the Earned Edition are essentially the same uniform with different colors. I like the earned edition so much more than I like the Mardi Gras edition. I would like to see them do something different with the city edition uh, in the near future, whether that is uh, black and gold related. Uh, you get back to, to being a more like a, a music in New Orleans. There's other things you can do besides just continuously rolling out a Mardi Gras uniform every year. Yeah, I don't know. I like both of them, but I think now that I've seen this, uh, the earned edition significantly more like that, that should have been like the, the color scheme and everything from the get-go for this team, I, I think. Now they're not even going to use like the whites or the blue ones really as much. It's kind of a waste. Yeah, there's so many. It's kind of funny. They're only wearing the blue uniforms, um, I think, 10 times all season, and they've already done it four times. <laughs> okay. Like, it, it, it's an insane amount that they've already they've already kind of done. Um, I will say this: there, there, there was. I, I really like the stripe. I really do. There is a a thread on the Pelicans Reddit page. Uh, it's a Jersey concept concept page uh, where it's 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 the red. It's it, it's very very well done. I'm trying to, to get it. I think it's uh, Seth Reese is the guy who did them. Uh, you can go find it on the on the Pelicans Reddit page. It, it, those are really well. You need to go look check these out. Like these. No, this are, is like immediately what I'm doing when I'm hanging up with you. <laughs> these these are so so good. Um, another person uh, like on that thread also pointed out like doing a, a uniform concept based off the water meter uh, look. Like there's so many things that you can do as a a concept uniform or as a, as a new uniform, these guys. And I really just like how the stripes look in the, the Mardi Gras colors. I think it works really well. Uh, you scroll down. I think it's five days ago. You can go look it up. You can, you can find them. You're going to, you're going to love these uniforms. I'll send it to you. When we're, when we're done <laughs> there we so, go. I have to do less work. But, That's awesome. All right. See yeah. better uniform. I, I, maybe that'll I love, keep the I love team uniforms. I'm a uniform geek. So, no, they're, they're fun, and it's like everyone loves this stuff, and it sells well, and there's so many things to tap into, and like, 
cool. This is what we get. Which, again, I like them for the most part because I like how clean they are. But, man, like the the regular whites, the regular blues. Everyone wants the red. You want the colors. Oh, I love the red. (laughs) Everyone loves the red. That should have been 100% what it should have been to start with. I don't think there's any, any doubt in that. All right. Andrew, thank you for joining me here today on Locked on Pelicans. We'll do this again soon now that I have a more regular schedule and we can keep talking basketball. No problem, man. You got me anytime. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thanks to my guest, Andrew Lopez. Again, give him a follow on Twitter if you don't already. It's at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap the Milwaukee game and keep trying to make it up to you guys after missing a couple of podcasts. And don't forget, we'll have some more next week as well, usually a dead period. Thank you all for listening. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. Tomorrow.